Hello and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace and Casper. Two brands that love us and will continue to love us even after this episode is over. <laughs> oh, I'm no. Swan de Rochefort. I'm a video producer at Polygon.com. And I'm joined tonight, as always, by the lovely Brianna Wu, Democratic candidate for Congress. And uh, Chris- soon to be disgraced. Oh, gosh, Bri, can you even do this segment that we're going to do? Uh, I, I take risks. I that's take true. Risks. That's what makes that's you a good leader. And yep. a senior cloud developer advocate, Christina Warren. I'm excited. Um, and uh, Christina's yeah. just happy to be here. I'm just happy to be here. I'm, I'm not in, I'm not in any way uh, worried about my, my career, my livelihood. No, I mean, I'm so excited. <laughs> so here's the thing. If you listen to us talk about tech for 40 minutes, we will get to the filthiest episode of Rocket. <laughs> and never- until then, it's going to be above board. And it's right, going to be wonderful. And right. then once all this, all these cool Apple chip rumors out of the way and the, the senseless tragedies are out of the way and the, the financial advertiser or sponsorship is out of the way, then, then, my friends, we will party. Put, put, put your children to bed. Yes. Just, just we'll, do we'll it put first, a warning. There'll right. be a warning. Don't worry. I'll put an okay, audio right. warning in there. <laughs> wow. So in the meantime, so let's let's get let's get down to brass tacks. Let's get to that hard news. Uh, oh, Mark God. Gurman over at Bloomberg reported this week that Apple, maybe by 2020, could be manufacturing its own chips for the Mac line, which would put the iPhone, the iPad, and the, all the Macs on the same sort of system rather than being on Intel chips, uh, which MacBooks and Macs are on now. And that would that would change a lot of things, obviously, because Intel is on its own cycle of producing chips, which is something that we've talked about before on the show when we remarked that it was sad that certain Mac products were launching without the latest chip because this two different huge companies trying to work together. Uh, but yes, the, so the rumor is that to unite the I- iOS and Mac OS uh, devices more, more cleanly Mac or Apple might be producing its own chips. What do we all think? Hmm. I, I, I think if you talk to 2014, Brianna, she would be very angry about this because, oh, really? You know, like Maya, Maya is something that you would have to completely rewrite it to get to to work on, you know, Apple's, Apple's, you know, basically A9 or whatever it's going to be at that point chip. That There's a lot of software I have that could not run on this. I think today, if we're really being honest about the state of the Mac, if we're just really being honest the professional market has been neglected for so long that I think that most of the, the, the focus for development is really on iPad and iOS. So I think for most users, this is actually going to result in better software being brought to the Mac. And the transition is going to be rough. It was rough when we moved from Cocoa, but um I think this is something that sadly makes sense. And I think it speaks to kind of the neglect we've had of the Mac. Yeah, I would, I would actually kind of agree with, with, with some of that. I think that it, it, it that, um, I think there'd be some questions around whether or not they could do something like the, like the, uh, iMac pro and, you know, they, they are still supposed to be giving us a new Mac pro. Yeah. Um, although we haven't heard about that in about a year or so, 
Who knows? But we're supposed to be getting another Mac Pro. Um, so that they, you know, Apple has tried to claim that they are still there for for professionals. But I, I do kind of agree that when you look at the direction of of um, the Mac platform, I think that most of us, for better or worse, would agree that it looks a lot more like iOS than it does uh, like the Mac as we have it now. Or, or I, I guess it's more fair to say that the future of of, of you know Apple platforms um, resembles iOS a lot more than it uh, than it uh, resembles uh, Mac OS. So, yeah. so would that change things with with the professional program? that say Brie is using, like you mentioned Maya would have to be completely rewritten. Are we assuming that those programs won't be useful on Macs anymore or usable on Uh, Macs? I mean, look, we have a long discussion about chip architecture here and live it would be hypothetical. Sexy. Right. We could put it through a translation wrapper. I mean, depending on how much uh, it still uses OpenGL. I mean, you could theoretically bring things over to it. There's going to be a performance hit. Uh, on a platform where there's already a performance hit. Uh, so it's not going to be where the pros are going to go. Do I think Adobe is going to bring over Creative Cloud and just port that over to you know Apple's proprietary chips? Yeah, because the iPad, like it gives them a good excuse and then you've kind of got parity between the Mac and the iPad uh, versions of Photoshop. But I think like niche stuff like Maya or Nuke or, you know, 3D Max or even, you know, specialized tools I use like Hedis UV. um, I just don't think that has a future on Mac. And I just think it's time to accept that, you know? Yeah, because this is, I mean, we've talked a lot in the past year or so about how it doesn't feel like like the new MacBook Pros are not necessarily catering to that pro audience that they catered to before. Like, the, is this another step of a de- not a decline, but a reprioritization? Do you think? Yeah. I think that's actually I, no. I think I think reprioritization is actually the the perfect way to say it because I, I don't think decline is accurate, but I do think reprioritization is. And I think to to Bree's point, yeah, like we're still very hypothetical here. We don't know, you know, how this would work if they would be creating a translation layer. So you know, Apple has done this before. A decade ago, um, in two thousand five, they announced at WWDC that 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 um, the Macs were going to be moving from um, the PowerPC. Um, architecture to Intel. And at the time, a lot of diehard Mac fans were very, very upset because Mm -hmm. Apple had spent the previous decade basically saying, we're better than Intel and this is why and and the G4 chip is this and this and this. Um, and then when, when, you know, push came to shove, uh, the, the, those IBM chips, no matter how much better they were theoretically, couldn't deliver the mobile performance, couldn't deliver the, the, the core performance, the battery life that you needed um, to, to get stuff done. And so Apple moved to Intel. And to do that, uh, they created what was called Rosetta, which was basically a translation layer that allowed developers to bring their PowerPC apps over to Intel. And they also introduced a universal app platform so that you could write code that would basically run on both um, sets of processors. And, and it was really elegant. And I even wrote something um, a couple of years ago, I think for the 10th anniversary, um, kind of talking about how well that transition went and um, the, the shock of that. Um, so certainly Apple has a history, all, granted it was a very different Apple at the time, of being able to man- maintain that transition. I think this time, although I, I would be shocked if they didn't have some sort of um, you know, shim or something to kind of help people convert code. I do think that there would be 
potentially something's lost. And, oh, no. and, and, and I think that, that it would be pot- potentially harder uh, for, for, for developers. Um, my bigger concern wouldn't so much be even the, the chip set, set architecture, because I think that even if code had to be refactored, like you said, the, the Adobe's of the world, um, I, I certainly don't want to speak for, for my company and I'm not, but I, you know, I, Office obviously would, would would still exist, you know things like that. I think those those companies would would support the platform in whatever state it exists in. But I think the bigger question you kind of look at is we had this rumor that um, was earlier this year about Marzipan, this this uh, you know kind of idea of bringing iOS apps or iPad apps to the Mac, and mm-hmm. and then that might be revealed at WWDC. And so my bigger question wouldn't be so much. I mean, and that seems like that would kind of be like the first step of, of kind of getting people there and kind of saying, oh, you can run your your um, iPad apps on, on the Mac now and, and kind of getting some developers in the process of saying, hey, instead of building, you know, your Cocoa or Swift app, you know, for, for, for the Mac, um, just just bring it over uh, from from the iPad and, mm. and, and maintain that. And, and that way you'd be one step closer. But I think that you know, you, there are a lot of differences in, in how powerful and, and what type of system calls you can make um, on an iPad app and a Mac app. And so I think the bigger question would be, are they going to update those system calls so that you can still access all that lower level stuff and 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 do all those things that you can do that, that makes the Mac a different platform than, than iOS? Would they be bringing that sort of stuff um, to this new chipset architecture? Or is Apple going to use this as an opportunity to say, this is how we want to, we want people building apps and it's going to basically have to be the same requirements and the same types of things, whether you're on iOS or macOS. And that to me, I think would be, as a, as a user, the part that would make me slightly uncomfortable is, is that I don't care what the chipset architecture is. I just want to make sure that I can do some of the things that I do as a professional um, on on the Mac. That, on the machine that you use for work. Exactly. Yeah, to that exactly. I say, yikes. Right. Yeah, and and we this is again pretty far off, and it's still as yet unconfirmed by Apple. But that, yeah, most other things about this I like because I'm I'm not in a situation like you, Brie, where you have very specific programs that you're working with. I'm in a situation where I think it would be cool if the latest MacBook was able to use like the most advanced technology that Apple had access to, like the. The whole thing with the MacBooks not having was it Skylake that was the latest chip at the time, or was that? Yep. Yeah, yeah not having access now. to that because it yeah. just wasn't out yet, and the cycles didn't line up. Like that was frustrating, and it was such like a small thing, but at the same time, it was still a big deal. And this makes sense to me from just looking at them as a hardware company. It, it makes sense yeah. that they would well, want. Well, this. think about this with what you do for a living, Simone. Like you edit video, and right now there is not really a good way to edit video on the iPad Pro. Like mm-hmm. they can put out any event they want, but the the tools just aren't there. If it's coded on the same kind of like architecture. I could see Apple bringing the same class of Final Cut Pro that they have on Mac over to iPad and yeah. then being very interoperable there. Yeah, and me I too. Think, if if, if yeah. they choose to do that, that would be my question is, are they going to still choose to support that? But you're right. And I would even go one step further, like not even could they bring the same class to iPad or, or, or to whatever, but you know, you could be potentially looking at much better battery life. Um, yeah. and, and honestly, better GPUs because the, the, the GPUs that Apple, you know, chips have that you have on the iPad pro, for instance, are better than what you're getting on the MacBook. Um, 
And um, how about metal? Look at metal. Yeah, I mean, right. this is the only way you're going to get game developers to actually start using metal. If it's like, if I write it in this thing that is so much better than OpenGL, yeah. and it will work for the entire iOS market and the app market, you know, they're, they're bringing civilization over to iPad. And it's oh, it's a fantastic. Damn, it's a great translation. <laughs> no, it is. I mean, it's really good. I played it. it it's 60 bucks, the same as the desktop one, but Civ it's 6, I mean, it is worth I, it. It's yeah. absolutely worth it. And, and it's even amazing then that you can sideload mods and things like that. Um, you know, I have to give uh, the Civ team uh, humongous amounts of credit for, for all the work they did on that. Um, because they really have made it a, a, a parody, like a, a, you know, like experience, but yeah, but to, but, but I think to your point, Simone, yeah, I mean, I would be, I, I don't want to alarm anybody, but I guess the, the reason I point out, like, I would want to make sure that they're still letting these apps be as powerful as they can. Yes. When I use a Mac and when I use an iPad, I have a different experience. And no matter how close Apple tries to make it, they are still a different experience. And I don't want to be limited in the way that I'm limited on the iPad when I'm on a Mac. I don't care what chip it's running. I but I don't want my apps to I want to be able to have, you know, multiple things running in the background. I want to be able to have headless services. I want to be able to have stuff auto start. I want to be able to do scripting. Um there's a lot of stuff I want to do and I don't want to get rid of that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that would be my kind of my only kind of like silent plea would be change to whatever chip you want. You know, some developers might not follow you because they don't feel like that there's there, there there's enough um investment there. But but let at least on the desktop, if not on the tablet, let people differentiate, you know, between mm-hmm. what, what uh, you know, stuff they have access to and what they don't. This is interesting. We're, I feel like we're a lot less excited about this than I ex- assumed that we would be reading uh, the Bloomberg story. Excited? I mean, you're essentially looking at the death of all game development on the Mac. That's an overstatement, but do you know what I mean? Like no, right I, wait, now, but, I mean, I kind of disagree with that, Brie. I kind of feel like yeah. this might be the only thing that would actually bring game development. No, to the Mac. I, could, I, that's you're getting a trade off. Okay, so look at Tomb Raider, the last Tomb Raider 2013, one of the best games ever made. Right now, that's on Mac. If you think someone's going to go and port that over to Apple's architecture, that is a huge undertaking, right? That's a very low probability. But then if you're looking at really saying, look, if you develop, if you go into Swift, if you work with Metal, these are the platforms you'll have access to. Mac, iPad, iPhone, Apple TV, all running the same thing all using the same technology. This is a translation that will give you a lot of market share. I think that's an easier sell. So I think you're you're really kind of jettisoning the old school to game development and kind of saying this is this is Apple from now on. And I think it's it, it's a trade-off that pers- if I were still developing games would be a huge pain in the butt for me, but I mm-hmm. think it's the right move if that makes sense. Yeah. All right. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Squarespace. Yes! (laughs) Make your next move with Squarespace. Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and more. Maybe you want to create an online store, or maybe you're creating a portfolio. Maybe you're creating a blog. Squarespace is an all-in-one platform that lets you do just that, and you don't have to install anything. 
You don't have to worry about patches. You don't have to worry about upgrades. You don't need them. Squarespace has it covered. And they also have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you run into any speed bumps along the way. They also let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. Solidify your brand in the online. That is what I'm telling you. Buy a website for your baby. It'll be important someday. (laughs) (laughs) And also all of their award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your baby and your great ideas. I love my Squarespace website. I'm trying not to redesign it because it looks fine, but I love enjoy. I love designing it so much, and I have a new. This is your baby. I know it is my baby. You can make a baby to show off your baby. That's what a website is. I don't know why I'm so hung up on this like making a website for your baby thing, but like seriously, hop on that domain <sighs> name, y'all. You don't want anyone else. You want those other babies to snap it up. <laughs> Squarespace.com is what I say to that. Anyway, Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, but you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com slash rocket. And when you decide to sign up, use the offer code rocket to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain and to show your support for rocket. So once again, that is squarespace.com. That's space, the word space, not space like a space, like pressing space bar. Don't do that. Just square and then S-P-A-C-E dot com slash rocket and the code rocket at checkout after you do your trial, after you build your beautiful baby website, then you use that offer code rocket to get 10% off your first purchase and you live a beautiful, happy life with your new website. Thanks, Squarespace, for your support of Rocket and Relay FM. We love them. They're so good. Great. Uh, this next topic isn't great, though. No, no. it's complicated. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a doozy. So uh, yesterday, actually Tuesday, Tuesday <sighs> in April, there was a shooting at YouTube's headquarters in San Bruno. Uh, it a woman shooter who entered the security list buildings uh, and injured th- three people uh, before taking her own life, and this was. Very terrible. Um, and there has we're going to discuss, I think, the motivations, which I want to be clear. There hasn't been a confirmation from her specifically about her motivations. We have heard through investigations and through her family that she she was a person who had several YouTube channels and had been upset about YouTube uh, in the past in 2017 and then in this year as well about YouTube's demonetization issues as well as YouTube's taking down of some of her videos. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, and, and, and she had posted videos to, to Daily Motion and to YouTube. They've been taken down now. They're not p- publicly available, but people were able to um, access them and archive them before they were taken down. So the, the clips exist if you want to look. Yeah, there, there's, there are videos of her objecting to YouTube's policies. There is not a video of her saying, I object to these policies and therefore I am going to go to San Bruno to shoot people at YouTube with a gun. Uh, right. So I, I think that that's just the, the sure. journalistic clarification I want to bring to this is... Yeah, we still don't know for sure what her motive was. To, by all accounts, she didn't leave a note or anything, but her family has said things, and, and there's some question about how much they warned police ahead of time. Um, uh, there, there's been some back and forth on that, but they've at least publicly come forward and say that they tried to warn authorities. They reported her missing um, on March 31st, and um, 
she was actually questioned by police before the shooting took place um, and uh, um, told them that she'd had some family problems and was looking for a job in the area. So, you mm-hmm. know, anyway, but yeah, Which is yeah, go so on. Which is so freaking tragic. No, that, that's, my, that's my context setting, I guess, for this conversation is that as – thank God nobody died and also like the – well, I mean, so far, I mean, we do, do we yes. know the status of, 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 of the person in critical condition? I do not actually know the status of the one person in critical okay. condition. I can check up on that, though. But so, so it, it, as of this, as of the time we're recording this, she was the only um, casualty, um, but uh, or fatality, I suppose. But uh, yeah, but, you know, but but, but three people um, were were injured and, and are still yeah. in the hospital. There were there were a lot of heroic stories that came out of this. Like there was one person that was a rideshare driver in the area, and they turned off their phone and they would drive past the YouTube headquarters. And there were so many people trying to escape, and they would just load like seven, eight people up in their car and ride them uh, ride them away. And then that person would go right back into danger and and repeat that. And it 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 really brought a tear to my eye. Like someone, you know, making not enough money, like really trying to help people in that situation. I haven't heard that story. That's very brave. I think, I mean, you know, obviously the story is not about any of us, but you know, I know a lot of people that work at, at Google and on the YouTube team and, yeah, I'm not a parent. So when you know school shootings happen, they're tragic. But when you're you're hearing about people in tech like yeah. experiencing this, it's these this onslaught of shootings is terrifying for all of us. But this was I mean, I had to go give a speech immediately afterwards and it was it was really hard to not cry like, yeah. like doing it, you know? No, totally. I mean I was you know I was at work when 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 it happened and and I saw um tweet from um a, a former colleague of mine who who works at YouTube and 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 their tweet was one of the first ones uh, that that kind of let people know what happened and you know was relieved that when when, when they said that that they were okay but also, you know, checking Facebook and checking other things to see my other friends who work at YouTube to see their status, you know, and, and like you, I'm not a parent and, and obvious. So it's, I mean, not to say that it's any different because it's always terrible when it happens, but I think that for all of us, when we're in kind of a, a, an industry where we have a personal connection potentially to some of, some of the people impacted, like it makes it that much, you know, um, uh, more serious. I mean, like for me, I mean, obviously I work at a tech company where our security policies are likely very similar to, to Google's and, and, or, you know, YouTube's. And, and so, you know, you start to think about a lot of those things and you start to think about the wide open spaces and and whatnot and, and how it, it could just as easily happen, um, at any other, uh, you know, big campus of a tech company or, or of any company, frankly, um, you know? I have to say, the last time I did Bloomberg, I was, I was stunned at the level of security I had to go through. Oh yeah, through yeah, yeah. yeah. To, Bloomberg, Bloomberg is serious. To go up and go on camera, like I visited military bases. I have met with elite people in office in D.C. You know, in like Russell Building, and Bloomberg was ten times the security. And it's utterly reasonable. Because this is kind of where 
where this is the environment we're in. So I feel like if you log on to Twitter, like there, there's so many discussions about like gun violence and how to go forward on this. I think before we do that, I kind of want to unpack some of the complexities of this story, mm. if it's okay with yeah, you guys. Do. Like, sure. like, I mean, one of the places I'd like to start is I think it's, I think it's notable that a lot of the times when these things happen, there seems to be a white nationalist like aspect to it, you know, by, by all indications that doesn't really seem to be the fact here, even though the right has tried to say this was a transgender woman, that doesn't seem to be true. Yet to me, this really strikes me as I think it's so easy to get into a right versus left shouting match on this, but that's not always the case. Like This is a bigger issue about the access we all have to guns in America, which is unparalleled in any developed nation in the world. And I, I, I certainly think white nationalism scares me, but there's a bigger issue that isn't right or left here. It's about like the, the extreme ease of access to guns that we have and this extremist culture that is radicalizing people. I mean, how, how do both of you feel about that? I, yeah, I 100% like even putting aside my, my feelings on gun control, which are of course that it should not be so darn easy to get them. I do think that more so than the quote unquote mental illness demon that language that is always trotted out uh in the wake of something like this like it's it's not i don't believe that it's so much about that i believe that the dialogue within our culture is very toxic and that conclude with disagreements there are that that uh, that our language pushes us to reach more extreme, more violent conclusions sooner than rather than later, as compared yeah. to yeah. other points in my life. It it, def- it feels like conversations are more fraught and um, angrier. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would also say that, and I and I said this on my Facebook page, and then a war broke out in the comments, which Whoops, is regrettable, but whatever. That. I saw that, which was Ugh. regrettable, but whatever. Um, you know, I, I almost stepped in and closed things out, and I was like, I don't, I have work, I don't have time to deal with people having flame wars in the comments on my Facebook page. I posted what I posted, and whatever. But you know, um, when we talk about gun reform, and I'm obviously in in, in favor of gun reform too. For me, it's not so much that gun reform would have meant that this incident didn't take place because by all accounts, this is not like Parkland where there were multiple um, people who'd reported violent things from this. Apparently, you know, the family was worried. The family apparently did try to warn people, but they didn't know. It's not clear if they knew about about, about the gun. It's not clear Mm -hmm. if they knew about any intentions. Um, Beyond that, you know, this person was was over 21. So it, it doesn't become an age thing. Uh, did not have a, a violent, um, you know, criminal record, so it wouldn't have been an issue for for legally obtaining a gun. Um, you know, it, there, there's no. It, this is one of those things where I think people are saying, "Oh, well, you know, stricter gun reform laws might not have stopped the situation." And, and my answer to that is, you're right; they might not have. Uh, but that's not why we need to talk about gun reform. We need to talk about gun reform because even if this situation might not have been spared, there are 
plenty of violent situations that will be. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, well, and, and this and is you the can't... 1% of shootings in many ways. There are no victims besides the shooter. The shooter was a woman. Uh, as you said, her history was very different from other shootings that have happened this year, which is a, a wild ass sentence to have to say. Um, and it it wasn't a, a target that we that is traditional traditional to Seven, shootings like this. Seventeen people were killed at Parkland, and fourteen were injured. If I'm remembering mm-hmm. correctly, right. three people were injured here. This was a handgun that this woman had. Mm-hmm. They had exactly. an assault rifle at Parkland. So just. You know, and I'm sorry, like my position as a congressional candidate is I want to do three things. I want to, A, I want for you to be required to carry liability insurance if you have guns the same way that you do if you have a car. Mm-hmm. An AR-15 or an MP5 or, you know, one of these assault rifles is very dangerous to have. And there's a liability component to your neighborhood and the health care of the people around you. I do think you need to carry liability insurance on that. I think we need to outright ban assault rifles. And I think this particular instance is a fantastic example of why. This right. woman had a handgun, and we're talking about three injuries and not 17 deaths. Mm-hmm. That matters. A lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, no, I agree with you. I'm, I'm just saying that, that I think some people have tried to shut this down and say, oh, well, yeah. this wouldn't have been prevented if laws were stricter. And look, maybe this incident wouldn't have been, but that doesn't mean that others won't be. And yeah. so you can't, to, to me, I don't, I don't want to just say, well, just because we're not going to be able to stop every violent act, no. period. But we can do a better job than we do. Uh, but, but to your point, Simone, about how you know, people are much quicker to go into violence, I mean, one of the things I kind of wanted to talk about with this, and the reason I kind of suggested this topic, not just because it impacts, you know, I think the tech community, and it opens up a lot of questions. Um, I haven't done my, 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 my research on this, but to my knowledge, this is one of the, the only, um, I mean, I, th- I think there have been suicides on campus before, but this is one of the only times I can think of that a, that a tech company or, or a public company in general, um, you know, people have shown up um, and, and gone, um, uh, you know, shooting, um, uh, especially indiscriminately. There, there was an incident in Atlanta, a day trader, uh, and, and it, was, it was a different sort of scenario who it, it was a, it was, it was a, it was a spree shooting, um, in, uh, in 2000, I want to say, uh, who, uh, you know, uh, a, a, a man murdered, first he murdered his family, then he murdered a bunch of other people. And it was definitely a spree shooting. And, I, and I'm pretty sure he used a handgun, but, um, you know, that was nearly 20 years ago. Um, this is this is really rare, and that it, it you know we haven't seen this come to to companies like this before, which which I think opens up some interesting discussions. But the other thing we want to talk about is the the potential motive, the presumed motive, which yeah. is the the demonetization efforts. And the reason I wanted to bring this up, and I want to be very clear, in no way do I think that anyone who ever vlogged or did a video or wrote anything about or, or contributed to the rhetoric around the adpocalypse or, or the YouTube demonetization strategy, do any in, in no way am I saying that any of those people are in any way responsible, because obviously they're not. This is somebody who clearly was disturbed and had issues and, and did something really terrible. Um, but I do think that it is worth acknowledging that on this this person's web, this woman's webpage before it was kind of taken down, you know, she had links to her own videos and she had links to videos that were railing against YouTube um, for the demonetization stuff, and that she was using some of that similar language. And so the discussion I kind of wanted to have with you guys because I don't know really how I feel about this is that I think that we have to acknowledge all of us, and I'm including Rocket with this, I'm certainly including myself with this, is we have to acknowledge that the language that we use, especially when we get heated and and argumentative about different things, 
can have an impact whether we intend it to or not. You know, we're helping shape the opinions of other people. Um, you see this a lot, I think, with, with the alt-right and, and with some of the stuff that happened in, in um, you know, uh, Charleston. You certainly saw it with, uh, with the person who, the, the, the guy that, that stormed um, um, uh, 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 Cosmic uh, uh, Pizza and um, with, with, with the gun because of, of what he'd read on, on Reddit about, about Pizzagate. Um, I think that it, it, it becomes... We need to have a discussion about how the rhetoric that we have, especially when it's charged in one direction or another, um, can have. Again, that's not to say that it's anybody's fault or that it's in any way responsible, but I do think that it becomes kind of an interesting discussion point that, you know, the, our kind of um, culture, which is for for better or worse, and frankly, I think worse, much more combative and much more um, antagonistic um, means that that people who are unwell and have access to, to things like firearms can sometimes be so swayed by our opinions that terrible things happen as a result. Yeah, I think, you know, this is something I think about a lot as a candidate, Christina, because, you know, something Georgia Dow uh, said to me is humans are really attracted to the most extreme version of any argument, right? Which is why, like in the 90s, we were amazed by Jerry Springer. You know, even right now, um, you know, uh, Taylor, she's got a, a piece out uh, talking about some of the things people have done to try to go viral on YouTube, including yeah. like... Um, you know, basically doing things with firearms. Well, yeah. Well, well, the woman like, who's who's now been sentenced to 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 to, to jail time because uh, her fiance uh, died in 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 the, in the YouTube uh, stunt gone wrong and the viral stunt gone wrong. Oh, yeah, jeez. Yeah. So I and and this is something I think about a lot because for me as a candidate, I'm always trying to position myself authentically, right? Like I, I couldn't be that kind of scripted politician if I tried, but you're right. It does reward you for going out there and giving a really passionate, hard nosed attack against Facebook. That's good for you. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. what the culture rewards. And I can't pretend that system doesn't exist. And I'm not even saying things I don't genuinely believe, but I do think you're you're right that we're constantly being pushed towards a bigger extreme that is not necessarily beneficial to the culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, like you, Brie, this is something that I, I think about a lot, um, especially in dealing with Polygon's YouTube comments, because we have a very generally, generally positive YouTube uh, community there, which we're very fortunate for. But one of the things that I don't generally allow, even in our, our YouTube comments, I, I I don't allow people to engage with trolls in good faith because I think that it is a waste of people's <laughs> a waste of people's <sighs> brain and a, a waste of people's good <laughs> intentions. Yeah, I, and it, it really it really bothers me, and I, I want to I I I've been meaning to find a way to like talk about it with people because you know you you will see a very obvious troll come in and be say something about quote unquote SJWs or something like very clearly like coming in with a bad faith argument just for the sake of like starting something and people with good intentions trying to engage and genuinely argue back with that and I just like nope. Those threads are gone. I'm sorry. Like, I, I will not, I do not allow people 
to use their their goodness to argue with like compl- the the agents of chaos who exist on the internet. And I I, I wish that I, I what I hope I guess what I hope for the continuation of our online discourse is that we can take this tactic of of when we see like a very very extreme language and extreme positions thinking by engaging with this am i damaging like my own am i am i I wasting my time am i stressing myself out am i causing extreme emotions in myself and is that going to actually change this person's mind is that actually going to have some kind of measurable positive impact on discussion or am i just going to be getting very 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 worked up for no reason and i i think i i feel like i'm getting off track here but um no you're you're done no i think you're on yeah good okay cool we're still on track yeah it's just i i feel like the internet presents us with so many opportunities to encounter very unyielding extreme opinions which may be in good faith or they may be again agents of chaos just trolling out there and we need to be better about separating ourselves from that and about engaging in in a self-preserving way if that makes sense something but something i found is i got in so much trouble with the kind of i guess you call it the sjw community for <laughs> having having a lunch with brad wardell who is a not great guy at yeah. GDC a few years ago. And I did it because, like, honestly, I have no issue whatsoever engaging with people that I don't agree with. It just creates no stress in me whatsoever. I, um, yeah, today, like, I had pro gun people uh, sending me messages on Facebook. Yeah, I had very spirited arguments back and forth with them. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, I think we walked away respecting each other more. I actually know I got some votes from that. Hey, so I think, I, I think that can be good. Something I I really want to talk to you both about here. This is one of the key issues for me. And maybe I'm just at an age where I'm getting out of touch. So tell tell me if I am. But it it really strikes me that if you ask younger people what they want to do when they grow up, YouTube star is one of the, the very top things that you see. And what I see, particularly in the video game industry, that I think it's somehow seen as more noble to become a YouTube star that tears apart video games that people have worked unbelievably hard to ship than it is to actually get in there and and create it. I, I 1,000% agree with you, but it's, and it's been a really interesting and kind of overnight shift because five or six years ago, when you ask kids what they wanted to be when they grew up, a lot of them, you know, people that they looked up to, a lot of them cited Mark Zuckerberg and Steve Jobs. Now we yeah. can argue whether or not either of those individuals are like the best <laughs> examples of, of, of people in tech. Regardless, that was at least people wanting, you know, kids wanting to create things, wanting to go into tech, wanting to wanting to have that experience. Now, as you said, one of the number one career things is to be a YouTube star. And I mean, um, I, like Christina, you create amazing video content that I've been watching obsessively. And same with you, Simone. Like it, it's absolutely a legit career field. But what what I think 
one of the things I think that makes me a good candidate for Congress is how deeply uncomfortable I am with being on TV and kind of being in the spotlight. Like it's something I will do because it has to be done. But I think like this woman's like feeling of being like she was owed this by YouTube. Yeah. I think it kind of speaks to a, this weird shift that's happened in our culture. Like you're not anyone if you don't feel like you have an audience. And I don't think that's healthy, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. No, I 1000% agree with you. And and there is a sort of, sort of sense of entitlement that, that, you know, me as the older millennial will kind of take some of the blame for or will blame on my parents or whatever. That has only continued to get bigger. But you're right. You know, I, th- I think people feel like they're owed something. And then when, when companies or platforms don't bow to our whims. And I mean, look, we have how many episodes have we spent criticizing how Twitter exists and what they will and won't do, you know? And, and, and I'm not, I, so, so, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to be a hypocrite here. Um, you know, uh, we've obviously spent, spent time discussing those things too, but yeah, you're right. I mean, I think that it, it puts things in kind of a different sort of, um, not perspective, but it, it's something we've got to kind of be cognizant of. It's like, yeah, these are, these are things that, um, are happening and that more people are, are kind of like you said, I mean, I think it's really telling, like you said, more more kids want to be YouTube YouTubers who are critical uh, commentaries, you know, doing critical commentary on games than actually making the games themselves. Yeah, um, and, and and that lots of lots of people, uh, you know, not just this you know terrible person who who did uh, what happened, um, feel um, as if they're owed something, you know, by these platforms, and and that. And I think as a society, we, as you said, we kind of have this thing that if you don't have an audience, if you're not famous in whatever sense that means, that it doesn't matter. And 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 that's something that um, because we reward viral fame so much, and and people become overnight sensations, and and it pleasures the moment. And and I think that there's also so much of a culture of like you know it, it's tied to money and happiness and all these other things that aren't true. That um, it, it's you know it's it, it's weird. It, I don't know. I don't, I'm, I'm rambling, but yeah. Simon, how do you feel? I mean, about that specifically or yeah, you have a job where like mathematically the odds are better of you becoming an NFL draft pick than becoming someone who's paid to work at a video game review company. Like that's how fortunate you are. That's true. You have to, you, you have to see people breaking down your door or feeling entitled to your microphone. I mean, how do you feel about all of this? I definitely, I'm trying, I guess, I to parse how I feel about it. Because I, I know, speaking to what Christina was saying about the tone of many, many videos, like I, people respond more to stories that are negative, And that's <laughs> something that has been a problem in the press since long before YouTube existed. Welcome to yellow journalism. Um, uh, thank you. Tr- <laughs> thank you, Charles Pulitzer. Yeah. 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 I was just listening to a podcast about that today. Um, so my knowledge is very fresh. Uh, that's why uh, the people at Columbia got mad at me because I pointed out that he, that, that they were like, well, talking about clickbait. And I was like, well, you know, man, <laughs> you invented building- it. I was like, the man who's building we're in right now invented this, so... Yeah. But anyway, sorry, go on. But yeah, I, I do... I do think that there is a sense of entitlement 
and I'm not speaking specifically to how people have responded to me. I th- I'm speaking, I think, more generally in what I have, because people have been very, very good to me. And I, I have not <laughs> felt the horrendous pressure that, say, the creators of the anime Voltron have experienced, where uh, <laughs> I think you see a lot in online conversations now. And I, I don't believe it's this way, maybe offline. I think that this is a, a phenomenon that seems very localized, like how people treat other people online, but a sense of, oh, people aren't doing what I want to happen in mm-hmm. this cartoon, <laughs> this right. freaking cartoon. Therefore, I, I, I'm going to demand these answers of them and ask them to, like, why aren't you doing this thing the way that I want it to happen? And isn't this actually bad what you're doing but and i i I see a lot of equating of of certain certain things with a moral stance which i really don't like when it when it comes to to storytelling and i I guess that's the stance that i'm coming at it from at, at the points that you raised specifically christina is is that I, I think we have a harder and harder time because everything is so connected now and and we 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 can take in so much information. I, I feel like online culture has a harder time accepting when it can't, when it isn't getting what it wants. Yeah. Especially when other yeah. people are getting what they want. And and you you wonder like what where does that leave you? Yeah, I mean, I, I, th- I think that, you know, a lot of people have kind of the why why, why it's not fair sort of argument. And, yeah. you know, and, and to be, not to be flippant, but to be flippant is like because life isn't fair. Because mm-hmm. all of us, you know, there, 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 there are circumstances that sometimes you're born into. Sometimes it's luck. Sometimes it's other things. Sometimes it's who you know. Sometimes it has nothing to do with you at all. Or, you know, why some people have success in certain ways and some people don't. You know, it's the same reason with, with startups or companies. There's a million companies that I've covered that by for, for what they've put out and, and, and the product they've had, they should have been successful, you know, and, and then they've gone under and, and it hasn't worked. And then there have been, you know, a million other companies who on the surface, haven't been as special, but mm-hmm. have gone on to find great success. And that's just how it is. And I, I want to walk back to my statement there and very explicitly say that when I when I talk about this entitlement, I am in no way referring to people of color asking for greater representation in oh, media. Yeah, that no, is no, a yeah, very yeah, separate absolutely. issue. Uh, no, that's not entitlement. <laughs> totally that's justified the, also. Well, no, that's uh, not entitlement. Yeah, I just that, wanted to click, yeah. because I'm yeah. being very vague, because I'm talking about like silly fandom garbage, and I do not yeah. count that as silly fandom no, garbage. I so I just want to no. make that clear to the listeners. Yeah, well, I want to make that clear as well, because I, I 1,000% agree with you. And in fact, I, I, I want, you know, people of color and, and, and people who are in minority groups to call out when they're not being represented more, but yeah, but, but do you even find like, uh, I found this when I, less when I was at Mashable more when I was at Gizmodo, uh, probably because the, the commenter kind of community around Gizmodo and, and around all the, 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 you know, artists formerly known as Gawker properties is what it is. <laughs> yeah. that, you know, but also, I think I, I want this to be your last thought on the issue because we're going to yes, move absolutely. into our ridiculous. Sorry. Awesome. Uh, but, but what I was going to yeah. say, cause I wanted your take on this. Like 
I would find that, you know, we would write things or do videos or, or take a certain stance. And you would see this a lot, some, some of the io9 stuff and the, the fandom things. But I would even see it with tech reviews where, you know, people would almost be like, well, why didn't you cover this? I don't agree with this point of view. So I'm going to criticize you and, 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 and insist that you only write about things from this perspective. And, and I don't know when that shifted. I don't know if it was kind of, you know, with the introduction of blogs or what, but I feel like there probably have been times in my career where, I, where I've looked at feedback and have said, oh, okay, well, you know, this is what the audience wants. And I don't think I've ever changed my opinion, but become cognizant of that. And there are also probably, frankly, I know there have been times where I've just then immediately tried to troll that specific audience <laughs> um, by writing things specifically to, you know, inflame them, which is not cool, but it is what it is. And I'm not claiming I'm, I'm a mature person. But have you ever felt that, especially with some of your video things where you almost feel like, you know, you have a great audience, but you almost feel like, I'm beholden to, you know, fulfilling their needs because obviously they're why you're able to do what you do. I think I see that more when I read the uh, comments on polygon.com, specifically on uh, articles such as, say, Julia's articles, where people are like, why are you covering, why are you writing about YouTube Mm -hmm. I have had to stop reading the comments on her articles because people are such people are jerks. Yeah, they're so unmashable. When we started shifting what we would cover, this is a this site. Why are you writing about this? Well, yeah, I'm I'm sorry. We're covering YouTube because it's a huge, huge cultural touchstone. We're we're talking about like a horrible tragedy that happened to YouTube right now. And YouTube is the main form of entertainment for many, many, many people. And people are clicking on those articles and reading those articles. And just because some people don't want to read about YouTube and are very vocal about saying that they don't care to read about YouTube uh, doesn't mean that it doesn't deserve to be covered. Oh my goodness. It's so annoying. So anyway. La- last yeah. thing I want to say yes. on this is honestly, for all of us at Rocket, we we wish everyone injured in this tragic event, we are you're very much in our thoughts. And there is absolutely a psychological damage component that is gonna happen for anyone that has gone through this. Get help, you know, don't be ashamed about that. And we we really care about you, and this is a good place to leave it, I guess. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by our friends at Casper. Casper are the company utterly focused on sleep, and they're dedicated to making you exceptionally comfortable one night at a time. You spend a third of your life sleeping, and if you spend a third of your life doing anything, you'd want to make sure it is as good as it can possibly be. And that is why you need Casper. Casper mattresses are perfectly designed for human beings with engineering to soothe and support your natural geometry. It's got the right support in all of the right places. So what goes into making a Casper mattress so comfortable? They combine multiple supportive memory foams for a quality mattress with just the right sink and bounce. And Casper mattresses are designed and developed in the U.S. And their breathable design helps you regulate your body temperature throughout the night. 
They have over 20,000 reviews and an average rating of 4.8 stars, which is ridiculously high. So they're quickly becoming the internet's favorite mattress, if they're not already, which I mean 20,000 reviews and 4.8 stars. That kind of means like they're the internet's favorite mattress. That seems like it's already happened. Well, if you are interested in trying a Casper mattress, sleep like Simone, I think is going to be their new tagline. (laughs) Sleep like Simone on a Casper This tagline is not approved of by Casper, but Casper mattresses are approved of by Simone. Uh, (laughs) They have a 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial, so they'll deliver the mattress directly to your door in a box all rolled up in a little tube. And you can try it out, 100 nights, boom, sleep on it, decide if you like it. If for any reason you don't love it, they have a hassle-free return policy. Or you could keep the mattress and continue sleeping like Simone. It's still so cozy. What has it been two years now since I've gotten mine? I haven't spilled on it recently because I succumbed to that temptation of being like, oh, it's so like supple. I'm going to balance a mug of water on it and then I'll like stand up or like roll over or something and knock it with my foolish hands and then I regret. But anyway, the mattress. <laughs> Enough about my foolishness. I love my freaking mattress. Sleep like Simone. It's like sitting on a marshmallow, but like one that is supple and firm at the same time. It's got that balance of supple and firm. You can get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash rocket and using rocket at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that is C-A-S-P-E-R dot com slash rocket and use that offer code rocket at checkout to get $50 towards a select mattress. Thank you so much, Casper, for your support of Rocket and Relay FM. I'm ready to end my career, y'all. All right, it's time. Brianna's going to go out in the blaze of glory. I'm so excited. This is, this is such a bad idea. Okay, so we knew... If we were going to talk about YouTube this week, we had to really deliver the goods with dessert this week. Mm -hmm. We had to really deliver the goods. So this was my idea. This was my idea. I have copies of Simone's uh, erotic work in front of me. And I have some completely fake quotes some of which I've made up myself, some of which I've pulled from other authors. And this is how we're going to play this. Christina, I'm going to read you these quotes. And okay. I would like to see if you can, sh- if you can decide oh, if they are real Simone de Roche for quotes. Oh, and this is the not. point where we tell you that you shouldn't. Children do not listen. Children, stop. Stop with the Stop. children. Don't let okay. them. Unless you're ears. a cool mom. Unless you're yeah. a cool mom. Yeah. Unless. Yeah. <laughs> no, come on. If you're a cool mom in the Amy Poehler, like, mean girl sense of the world. All right, word. all right, all right, all right, all right. Okay. Go on. And Simone, please get Jim to uh, amply beep out all the words here because I'm going to read all of this. <laughs> okay. Here we go. As he read, he dropped his hand to his no! crotch and casually cupped. And casually cupped his Cupping led to squeezing just because it felt nice and gave his hand something to do. But soon enough, he had resigned himself to the fact that he had been stuck on the same paragraph for a full minute while he groped himself through his sweatpants. Okay, so Christina, do you think that is a Simone quote or not a Simone quote? 
based on the way Simone screamed only, I'm going to say yes. I'm sorry I ruined the game. Ding, ding, ding. Okay. Okay. You got it. Okay. You got I'm going to keep it. Okay. For the next segment, I'm going to be cool. Yeah, you got to mute yourself because that's how I knew. I'm legitimately going to turn off my microphone, okay? Because I don't think I can stop the screaming. <laughs> okay, here Ashley, it goes. Okay, are you ready? Yep. Ashley was now wearing only brief white panties. By removing her shirt and skirt and by leaning back on the couch, she had signaled her desire. Now she closed her eyes, concentrating on nothing but Shannon's tongue and lips. He, ch- he gently teased her by licking the areas around her most sensitive erogenous zone. I'm going to say no, because I don't think Simone writes hetero stuff. <laughs> Ouch. Ouch, Christina. That is, cor- that is correct. <laughs> that is actually written by Fox News' Bill O'Reilly. What? He wrote that. Oh, my God. He wrote that from a book called Those Who Trespass. Wow. This is an actual quote from Bill O'Reilly. All right. Do you think I can name the episode Bill O'Reilly's Erotica or will that spoil the beautiful surprise I just had? No, please, please No, I think do. you should please because do. I think yes. that'll make everyone listen to it, honestly. Gotcha. Carry on. Okay. I'm turning off my mic okay. again. Okay. So he had a creepy fairy fetish. Shh. Julie swept through the curtain. They'll hear you. Um, I don't know. This is a... I'm going to say yes. Simone's down with the fairies. I don't know. Simone, what's the answer? That's me. <laughs> yes! And I swear to God, you guys, I have not downloaded um, uh, the book yet. I'm going to now, though, because I'm very intrigued. <laughs> this Brie is, Brie is pulling from two texts here because the most recent story is a 10,000-word erotic short, which is in the Fool for You anthology. And then the other book that she has is my full-length novel, Sparkwood. That's correct. So she's very – she's being – she's – She's playing you, Christina. I am. I am. Okay, Actually, I'm, you're playing her like a fiddle because you're, you're – <laughs> I shouldn't have screamed. I, I'm so sorry. Okay, here we go. Be careful, Rex. There's death in that place. What kind of death? The dangerous kind. No, that's not Simone. That's not Simone? Are you no. sure? Yeah. That's correct. That is Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon <laughs> that I am quoting from – Okay, okay, here we go. So, a demon, huh? Tom said abruptly. I've never met one. Uh, Are demons like humans? Lucinda blinked. No, demons are like demons. Yes, that's Simone. (laughs) (laughs) I could not find anything that was not Simone-like enough. It was a real challenge. How could you do me dirty like this with the Far Cry 3 quote? (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm trying my absolute best. Okay, here we go. Delving beneath his waistband, he gave his hardening (laughs) stroke, his breathing deepening purposefully. Forget the book. He kept a loose rhythm of on his using his free hand to switch his music to a sexier playlist. There. Okay, God, I I pray that was Simone because that's that's (laughs) awesome. I pray that was Simone. Simone? It's me. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Oh God, my face is so hot right now. You're you're like a good writer. You're like you are. You are, and and like I've I look. I've read a lot of erotica. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to read this now. Yeah, definitely. 
You want me to you with my fingers in your mouth? No. Simone? That is me. That wow, is Simone. Okay. I mean, because that, that just seemed like, I don't know, that seemed generic, but okay. Uh, it's just a piece I, of dialogue. I, Come on, no, it can't wrong. all be zingers, Christina. I, 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 I realize, I realize, Simone. Sometimes okay, you got to ask a basic question of your partner just to find out what they're into. Christina. <laughs> but, but fingers. But fingers in the mouth? I don't. It's called I, I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, please explain that to me. I'm not going to know. It's, it's art. I'm just saying that, like, I'm just saying, own. wouldn't they be better in other orifices is all I'm, is all I'm getting at. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, the other orifices are kind of full. Oh my god! There's not a oh lot. Oh my of, god! Not a lot going on. There's uh, there's a lot going on. There's not a lot of room. Uh, sorry. Uh, anyway, oh. wow. I'll just turn off my mic again, just for the fun of it. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. Oh my god. And again, as before, she unzipped my fly, took out my, and put it in her mouth. The one thing different from before is that she did not take off her own clothing. Uh, yeah, I, again, I'm going to say no, because I don't think Simone does does uh, does heterosex. Not okay. yet, I don't. You've got to do that to throw Christina off. I know. You do, I, I'm sure. say, I, have like, a, I have an idea for one right now, but I just haven't written it yet, or I would have sent it to you. I'm See, I'm down for it. I'm just saying, okay, well, that would be great, because then I wouldn't know. But yeah, okay. Who was that? Was that also Bill O'Reilly? Uh, this was uh, Hakuri Murakami from the Wind Up Bird Chronicle, oh which is God. a novel I am reading right now, which is excellent. So Awesome. I have to say, okay. I think I've written better than that, though, so I guess you could call me. <laughs> Can that be the episode title? No, I mean, I know no, it, it can't can. be. That, that's, that's, the, that's the alternate episode title. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Only, only only real Rocket fans know. What if we come up with, like, a funny word to replace with? Laser explosions. Yes. <laughs> I'll just call it better laser explosions. Okay. Better laser explosions. I like, I like that. He was very worried about staying quiet, especially once he worked finger into Robin's just past the first knuckle. Oh, that's totally Simone. I mean, she already talked about how the orifices were full, so. Christina. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, I've got two more, okay? Oh, I should have sent you more. I did something. He did it back. He took me from behind. I pushed back, forced more of him into me. I sucked him. He licked me. I made him my stomach he sucked my toes the whole room rocked what do uh, you think i'm gonna say no because that doesn't seem smutty enough yeah there needs to be a lot more adjectives in there like come on that 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 was a list that was a listicle okay that's not erotic go. you're right you're right okay finally who wrote it who wrote it uh this was roddy doyle the woman who walked into doors Yikes. so there we go. And last one. Look, I'm going to you. Hold on. <laughs> um, yeah, sure. Sure, Simone? Simone, yeah, I'm going to say that's Simone. Simone, is that you? I don't actually know. That is you, in fact. What, so. what, is it from Sparkwood? <laughs> I forget. I actually had Frank help me get some of these smutty quotes. So <laughs> oh, that no, was one you made of the Frank read my porn. 
He thought it was I'm hot. so excited. So, I'm so excited yeah. about this. Oh, God. I can't wait to listen to this back and hear all the beeps that Jim is going to have to put into this. So yeah, but but also we need to put we need to put links to both your new erotic uh, short story and and Sparkwood in the yep. show notes. No worries, I'm all that. over it. Uh, can I we agree. maybe like put some like nice soft chimes in there or something? Because like beeps are so harsh. Yeah. So maybe yeah. just we think go, some nice soft chimes. How about the chimes. Sonic coin? How about the Sonic ha, coin? That sounds that legal. Yeah, let's do yeah. that. Okay, that works That for sounds me. totally legal. I'm all about it. <laughs> Christina, I have to give you props. Your, your <laughs> porno sensing abilities are, I, I would say that's uncanny. Like, that you guys, is I, that You guys, impressive. again, yeah. I, I've, I've read a lot of AO3. I've read a lot of erotica. Like, I read a lot of other things. I've read a lot of Michael Crichton. Yeah. Like, you know... Yeah, I, what I'm trying to say is I've read a lot of the sex writing. So, and yeah. Simone, I'm now a very interested in reading writing. yours. Thank you. I yeah. definitely recommend if you want my pure sex writing, the Fool for You anthology sure is the way to go because there's not a lot for me that isn't that going on in there. Some humor and some just boning down with a demon, and uh, it's great. What I love about that book cover is there's no other way to interpret the book cover as anything other than smut. <laughs> like, it's yeah. just a mask. I love it. But the color for it is just so smutty, and I love it. I just absolutely love it. Thank so, you. I like the cover, you have, too. You have a gift. You have a gift, Simone. Don't don't let don't let God not let your light shine. Oh, don't worry, my, my light shines uh, hard and bright. Uh, oh, yeah. oh my God, oh, this is so good! Wow, what are what are you up to this week besides uh, destroying your career here on Rocket? Yeah, uh, well, I will be writing my resignation letter uh, immediately <laughs> after this. So, serious talk, y'all. Um, in addition to my staff, we have had to bring in some experts uh, to basically uh, go out and work to get signatures to get on uh, the ballot. Uh, so we are actually needing to raise money. That's all I'm doing this week. Uh, if anyone listening to Rocket would donate to our campaign and help us with that effort, I would deeply appreciate it. You can go to supportbriana.com. A donation of just as much as $50, it would help us out so much. Yeah, the thing is, they they... We, we're we not getting helped by the Democratic Party because they like having their person in there. And interestingly, when you're trying to primary the Democratic Party, there are a lot of doors that are shut to you. So, you know, trying to figure out how you run for office without getting corporate money and without, you know, like the support of the party, to just be honest, it is really a challenge. So, if anyone there uh, could give us a hand with that, I would deeply appreciate that. And that's supportbriana.com. Yep. Yep. Oh, you're on top of it. I was going to say it, but you said it first. And then we talked over each other. So I'll say it again, supportbriana.com. And now you can that's say it, it also in a way. Supportbriana.com. Yes, where I don't talk over you. Christina, <laughs> what are you up to this week? Um, so I am uh, recording some videos. We're actually doing something really cool this week um, where I'm going to be 
um, shooting a bunch of, uh, so, so Build is coming up, uh, Microsoft Developer Conference, and what we're going to be doing is shooting some um, countdown videos where we go around the city of Seattle and show off some places that people who come into town for Build can visit. And so I'm doing that on Friday, and those videos will, will be up in a couple of weeks, and they're going to be really fun. Um, and uh, I'm uh, preparing for my talk. I'm going to be in Brazil uh, next week. Oh, so. my God. Yeah, so I, I, we need to, we need to, we'll, we'll talk after we record this to to look at uh, my um uh if we can reschedule two of the shows or if I can get replacements because I'm going to be leaving on Wednesday of next week, um my time and then arriving in Brazil on Thursday and then I'm going to be there for a week. First, I'm going to be in Curitiba speaking at CapiConf, which is a big developer conference in Brazil, and then I'm going to be in Sao Paulo and speak with some developers um, in in our community there. So yeah, I'm that super stoked. That is so never- cool. Yeah, I've never been to Brazil before, and I'm super excited to go. And so if any listeners have any tips for me for either Curitiba or, or Sao Paulo, uh, please pass them along because I'm totally soaked to to get to see Brazil. Yeah. What am I up to this week? Going to PAX. I'm going to Boston. Oh, my uh, yeah. God. I'll be doing uh, leaving Friday, so I'll be in Boston on Friday, and then our panel is at 6 p.m. on Saturday at PAX East in the Condor Theater. Uh, that's going to be super fun. I think we'll be talking to people after it and then wandering the show floor at various times. Uh, so if you're at PAX, you will probably see me. Um, and I have trouble assessing my surroundings so if you call my name or something and i don't hear you you probably just need to like stand directly in my field of vision and begin a conversation with me or else i might not be able to hear you because there's a lot of like sensory stuff going on at pax it makes it really hard to see people but i'm super super excited to be there and to eat food in boston and hang out with my coworkers and meet people at the con uh it's gonna be super fun Maybe I'll see my cousin Boston's too. Boston's a great know. city. We are the greatest city on earth. You say that, but I live in New York, so I don't know. I have to say because I'm running for office here. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, I beg to city disagree. Period. We can still be friends. Yeah, okay. There it is. All right. <laughs> Brianna, where can we find you online? Uh, you can find me at Space Cat Gal on the Twitter machine. Yes. And Christina, what about you? Uh, you can find me at film underscore girl on the Twitter, the Instagram, the whatever. And you can find the videos that I make for work at um, youtube.com slash Microsoft developer. Awesome. And you can find me on Twitter at doom quasar and my videos at youtube.com slash polygon. It's a very fun place. And if you like this podcast, you can share it with a friend and you can also rate and review it on Apple Podcasts, which helps it be seen by even more people. All of those actions help the show be heard by more people. Uh, And if you also, nope, that's that's all the information I think that I needed to say. Am I correct? You are correct. That's the, that's the information. This episode of Rocket is terminated. Terminated. Terminated in Simone's mouth.